Pastor Rick and Joanne are dear friends, but you know what? I honor them. Nancy, my wife, Nancy, would you just stand up so they can officially see you that they haven't seen you before? But uh, you, you are graced and blessed with a wonderful couple that God's hand's been on. And the fact that how God's blessing this church uh, is evidence of their heart and their passion for the people of God and for this community. And I'm, we're honored to be with you, honored to be a part. And, uh, okay, let me move forward here. This is the first service, so let me keep kicking here. But Wow. Um, you know, we, you talk about awakening, and, and I have to tell you a little bit about our family. Um, I have a habit on occasion in my home. There's a church, I mean, there's a chair in my living room that I like to sit in, and on occasion, I doze off. <laughs> now, I know none of you men have this practice. And now my wife and my daughter have cultivated and my great three generations. This is a generational issue. And as I am dozing off in Holy Ghost slumber, they like to do this. Scott! Now, my reaction is this. Ah! Now, how spiritual can that be? Let me tell you what it is. We are living in a time uh, where people are, and the people of God are waking up. And what we're hearing across America, inside and outside the body of Christ is, ah! So in case you were still sleeping and caffeine hasn't taken its full effect in the early service, I wanted to help you along the way. But a lot of folks use the word awakening, and I, I totally agree. But to me, it's a great waking up. Now, this morning, uh, you know, as a kid, when I first gave my life to the Lord, I kind of wondered sometimes... How come Jesus didn't take me home immediately after I got saved? You know, you pray, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me, I'm a sinner, my life is yours, and then you're in heaven. Anyone here ever have that thought? Some of you are looking at me, no, but some of you are yes. I mean, if he loves us so much, why not make this initial, uh, a part of our initial Experience. You're the great theologian. You might have a greater answer for me than this. But, but why not immediately transition us to heaven? Um, here's another way to look at this. Uh, have any of you seen that, uh, that series, The Chosen? Yeah. It is, you know, one of the things, I've seen a lot of Jesus movies and stuff like that. But, and actually... It's being filmed in the community that we live in. And we went with a bunch of pastors. It's, it's a big Salvation Army campground. And so they took us down there, and we're standing by this little Texas lake, and, open, and they go, over here is Capernaum. Over here, you know, and... 
But the one thing I really like about this series is I watch it, I can put myself in the company of those that were walking with Jesus. And for just a moment, I ask you to project yourself in that context. You ha- I mean, you have seen and experienced and at times been a part of these great miraculous occurrences. The teaching that you are hearing, you're not hearing somebody quoting Jesus. You're hearing him directly like you're hearing my raspy voice at the moment. And I mean, and you're thinking, life with the master, the future is bright. And then he leaves. Think about that for just a moment. I mean, he makes some promises about returning. And he tells you a few things that are going to take place in between. But the fact remains, in that crazy, chaotic world, and even in the crazy, chaotic world we're living in, he's gone, we're here. And I don't know about you, but I'd surely like to know why. And the Bible gives us some definite reasons and lays them out very clearly for us that why we are still here. And the great foundation for what I want to share with you this morning begins with that all-powerful declaration of intent by Jesus in Matthew 16, 18, when he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, if ever there was an exceptionally strong statement, that is it. Obviously, what Jesus is not talking about is is a tightly run organizational nor corporate structure. In addition to that, he's not talking, well, you know, earlier in the year I was down in, in South Louisiana from Mardi Gras, but I go down to minister otherwise, down the bayou. And I walk into a church building that I have preached in for 25 years. And as I walk into the lobby, there's a wall up, and behind that wall used to be the sanctuary. And you can walk through the building, and there's a room here, and another room is gone. Uh, It got hit by a storm and a hurricane. So Jesus was not talking about raising up a building that is indestructible. He is talking about raising up a people that will not only withstand the onslaught of hell. Yes, we're holding on, and when hell is done, we're still going to be here. (laughs) Not at all. But he's talking about a people that will not only withstand, but will prevail and conquer and triumph over hell. We read in 2 Corinthians 2.14, now, how many of you can follow through this part of the verse? Now, thanks be to God. How many of you are thankful to God this morning? Good time to say thank you for a moment. Now, thanks be to God who always, now when the Bible says always, what does it mean? Oh, you've done a phenomenal job, Pastor Rick. (laughs) Who always leads us in triumph 
Folks, I want to be quite clear with you. This is not as easy to find today in this day and age as it sounds. Frankly, at times it could appear that hell is prevailing against the church of Jesus Christ. What do you mean? When you look at the compromise, the lukewarmness, the scattering, the overt carnality, it breaks God's heart. And I want to take a look at a few, a few, four of the aspects of Christ's reasons for leaving us behind when he ascended to heaven. Are you ready? Great. Number one. We read in 2 Corinthians 5.20. Now then, I like that phrase. It means understand this or listen up. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. We implore, we beg you, we beseech you to get biblically sounding in my language. God, we're pleading this. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. One clear reason and purpose we are here and still here and we're left behind is to act and function as ambassadors. Now, an ambassador is an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative of this foreign nation. I hope you're tracking with me. It's someone authorized to act on behalf of a higher authority. They serve as a representative. You see, it becomes obviously clear Jesus had no intention of totally abandoning humanity. And he had a plan that had two parts to continue his work on this planet. And one of them was for his people. How many of you identify yourself as part of the people of God? How many of you don't? I'm just checking. How many of you don't raise your hand in the first service? <laughs> Folks, to be an ambassador is not only an honor and a privilege, but it carries a great responsibility along with it. Ambassadors represent the interests of their home country in this foreign land. You see, we are authorized and empowered by the Holy Spirit to represent and act on heaven's behalf. Yeah. I like 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This version says his own special people. I like the translation of peculiar people. I see a few of them here this morning. And I identify with that bunch. His own special or peculiar people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. There is a real truth here. That when it became real inside of me, it transformed my thinking, my perspective, my attitude, and my actions. Now, I'm an American, and I believe I'm a patriot in that way. I'm patriotic. But I have to let you know, my primary citizenship 
is in the kingdom of God. When I drop dead, I live in Texas. I'm not going to go to Austin. <laughs> or Washington. Or in my home state, Trenton, as in New Jersey. I'm going to go to heaven. And when this becomes so real inside of you, it changes the way you do life. How you conduct your business. How you view the place and purpose that's around you. How you view your family. How you wake up in the morning. How you eat in a restaurant and look at the server and something goes off in your heart as you watch all of the ink down their arms. That's absolutely horrid. In the pictures that it describes. Say this with me. I am, I am an ambassador. ambassador. One sentence. I am an ambassador. Am an ambassador. You see, we're, a, we're accountable for this role. Ambassadors are not kings and queens and celebrities and rock stars or hermits. But once again, they are active representatives acting on behalf of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God's interest. Reason number one Jesus left us here is to be ambassadors. Every believer is an ambassador, his representative. Now let me pose this a little more personally. May I ask, is this taking place? Let me dig a little deeper. And please ask yourself this question. How may I fulfill my role as an ambassador in a greater way in the days ahead in my circle of life? Let me repeat that question. How may I fulfill my role as an ambassador in a greater way in the days ahead? You know, Pastor Rick said, you know, we go to Mardi Gras, we love the inner city and the broken areas. That's not everybody's circle of life. That's ours. But how can you fulfill your role in a greater way in your circle of life? God puts you in situations to represent him and take a stand for him. I recently had to go to uh, one of our city offices and pick up a document. So as I walk into this office, there's two big burly policemen, policemen engaging and speaking with a lady there. And I mean, she is F-bombing, blowing up, doing this, that, but, thus, and the other. I'm just going in trying to do my business and get my document and leave. And all of a sudden, in the middle of all of this, I get a tap on my shoulder. Sir, does this offend you and I I stayed silent for a moment because I felt the Holy Ghost stirring in my heart he leans on me again big police officer sir does this offend you I said sir I'm a minister and I've heard a lot of this language <laughs> but I prefer not to hear it but I turn around and look at this lady. She says, I'm a godly woman, blankety-blank, F, blankety-blank. And unless you're going to pray for me, and I pointed my finger at her. And I said, I pray right now. 
that God gives you peace and this thing is set and this thing is settled rightly. Then I turned around, got my piece of paper and left. <laughs> and as I glanced over my shoulder uh, to, to it, what was going on, one of those big burly policemen gave me a very sly stealth smile of affirmation. He couldn't go, yes, but he just kind of went. Set up to represent the Lord. Reason number two. Let's go to John 16, 17. 16, verse 7. Now imagine you're hearing Jesus say these words to you directly. But very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Hold it. Jesus, you mean it's for my good you're leaving? Are you kidding me? You healed me. You brought my family back together. My wandering children are now serving you. You miraculously provided for me, and you're telling me it's for my good that you're leaving? He said, unless I go away, the advocate or the helper or the comforter, the Holy Spirit, well, how many of you are glad for the helper and the comforter and the advocate? Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus loves us so much. And he knew and knows the challenges his people faced then and are facing at this very moment. And he knew that it's impossible to fulfill his purpose and destiny in and of ourselves. There's not enough Starbucks coffee to help us move forward in the kingdom of God. Reason number two, Jesus left us here, are to be vessels empowered by the Spirit of God. In Zechariah 4, 6, we read this. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Say this with me. I am, I am. empowered by the Holy Spirit. One sentence all together now. I am empowered by the Holy Spirit. An ambassador is authorized by his home government and granted and given authority. Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I give you power and authority over all the power of the enemy. That's an interesting passage here. To listen to some... Folks and some preachers and, and believers and all of that mess, you think we have a massive devil and a puny God. Give me a break. I remember this time when I was an adolescent hoodlum. And my friend Charlie Anuzi and I Charlie was bad. His brother fought golden gloves. They drug, you know, I mean, and we're walking down street late one night. We carried knives. In those days, we called them blades. And we carried knives. And we're walking down the street one night. We hear this dog barking. We hated dogs. We jumped on the roof of the car. We whipped out our knives. We're going to do battle with a German shepherd, a Doberman, a pit bull. <laughs> 
and we look down, and it's a chihuahua. <laughs> I'm serious as life. Charlie and I entered into an unspoken covenant that night. We would never tell anybody, but he's passed away, so I'm afraid. That's exactly what happened. But that's how somebody, that, that, that's how I believe some folks, the Bible says when we look at the devil, we're going to be amazed at how puny he was. We're going to look and go, is that the one that messed up my marriage? Is that the one that kept playing with my head? Is that the one that robbed me? That? I get nervous about people talking about the devil all day long. Man, Dad was doing one of our Mardi Gras outreaches. We were preaching on a street corner. And there was a little cafe across the street. So some of our team, including myself, went across the street to get a little bite to eat. Team's ministering. Then, then uh, our team comes back, Scott, Scott, Scott. Man, these devil worships are out there, and they're drawing hexagons on the sidewalk. I said, all right. What do you want us to do? I said, well, if you want to, you want to go wipe it off, that's fine. <laughs> really? Chalk on a sidewalk is going to overwhelm you? <laughs> I mean, do you get confused when you walk down the street and you see kids who've got these little hopscotch things there? Do you just, does your mind just go in the salad? <laughs> I'm trying. Acts 1 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be. Friends, I'm all into going witnessing and doing mission trips and doing outreach, but what about being? Come on. Reason number three (laughs) that we're still here. Friends, you see, people, I'm, you know, I've been tagged as an evangelist and all kinds of stuff, but really, Nancy and I feel primarily as God's called us as missionaries to America, although we've been around the world. And we continually look and watch and sense what's happening. And I fully believe that this is the moment for the people of God to rise up like they never have. Luke 19, verse 13, out of the original King James Version. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said to them, Occupy till I come. Now, what could be our ten pounds? Our salvation? The word of God, the name of Jesus, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the power, so much more things that we've been entrusted with. And the word occupy means to carry on business or even invest. But some folks, it's kind of like they got their seat and they're in it. And that's the extent of religion. Now, some years ago, we were ministering in Florida and and Nancy and the kids were with me. They were smaller, and we'd go into a church, and the pastor kind of takes me aside, and Nancy kind of comes in to find a place for her and the kids. So she comes and sits in the second row. And then the lady comes in whose seat 
my wife and children were sitting in. Have you ever felt somebody staring at you with daggers? Because my family was sitting in her seat. Now, there was no nameplate on it. No initial scratched. But that was the seat she occupied. And then the pastor comes and says, you know, we're blessed today to have Vansel Scott Hinkle speaking for us, and over here is his family. Would you folks still please rise? And they stood up and, anyway, praise the Lord. Moving right ahead. <laughs> Sometimes we just think, you know, we're squatters, and that's the end of it. We got it. We're blessed. We got grace. We got faith. We got the Bible. God's blessing us. What more is there? Because it's all about me religiously now, isn't it? You see, there's an active tense to this word. Jesus isn't saying, lay low, sit still, and seclude yourself. He's exhorting action till he comes. You see, Christianity is a proactive religion. It's not meant to be lived in the, in the grandstand, the bleacher, or the pew, but in the arena of everyday life, every day. Let's get back to this carrying on business for just a moment. What kind of business, you might ask? If you look at the life of Jesus in Luke chapter 2, you know the story. Uh, Jesus and his family and the whole community on Passover, they would all migrate to Jerusalem and they go in a caravan. And so they leave and it takes you about, you know, and sometimes, uh, you know, you're, you're your kid's one place, you know, your kid's with the other parent or your uncle, or your aunt, or your cousin or granny. And, and it took them three days and they realized, where's Jesus? And um, so they go back and there he is in the temple. He's listening to the teachers. He's asking them questions. And in verse 49, Jesus says to his parents, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Now that phrase, father's business, refers to a relationship with a father to begin with. And secondarily, it, there's an awareness about a life mission and even being an ambassador to me that I can read into that. My father's business, is there something there for you and I? Matthew 6.33 is a great place to begin. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Micah 6.8 helps us with a father's business mentality. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Not ask of you, but require to do justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. Matthew 4, 19. Follow me. Come follow me. And I will send you out to fish for people. I like that. You know, we talk a lot about being disciples and followers. If I read this verse right, if I'm following Jesus, then I'm fishing. If I'm not fishing, I am not fully following. 
I thought I had to clean them. Yes, but every now and then try to catch a few. Otherwise, you'll be out of a job cleaning. <laughs> and if you like to catch them, at least give some thought to what's going to happen afterwards. At the very least, if not more. Duh. Jesus said, we're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We are elements of influence. Those two things influence and affect everything they come in contact with. Reason number three, Jesus left us here, is to occupy and take care of his business. Let's say this together. I will, I will. occupy. And take care of the Father's business. business. All together now. I will occupy and take care of the Father's business. The fourth and final reason. I want to go to really one of my favorite stories. Have you ever said that, Pastor Rick? This is one of my favorite stories. And you realize... I got a whole book full of favorite stories, like, you know, from Genesis 1-1, clear through to the book of maps. What do you mean maps? It tells you how to get there. You know, what am I saying? Here's the story in Acts chapter 16. You're probably familiar with it. Just in short, there's a lot here. I'm going to recount it. Paul and Silas basically cast the devil out of a demon-possessed slave girl who was a fortune teller. And her handlers, you know, the ones that were making money off her fortune telling, got ticked off because they were out of business because she wasn't telling fortunes. So they have Paul and Silas locked up. And then the story continues on from there. There's an earthquake. Man, the Prison walls and doors fly open. Now, I don't know about you. I know none of, no one in this building has ever been incarcerated. Wow. But it, imagine you being in jail and the doors fly open and the walls fall down. How many of you would think twice about leaving? No! You'd be out of there in a heartbeat. Not so with Paul and Silas. Then they start singing, Jeremy. They're having a worship service. And interesting, other people were listening. And the jailer freaks out, thinking all of the prisoners are gone. He's about ready to kill himself. And Paul says, don't do it. This is the Hinkle translation. (laughs) We're all still here. And the jailer comes in and says, what must I do to be saved? Now, that's all the backstory before we get down to real business here. So then the magistrate sent the order down to the jailer to tell Paul and Silas that they can leave. How many of you know the Apostle Paul was a different character? He operated with a different filter and a different plan for life. And they tell him he can leave. Now we pick up in verse 37 and Paul's response. 
They beat us publicly without a trial, even though we're Roman citizens. Do you understand the power of simply stating that you were a Roman citizen? If they went to address, if they went to arrest you, or the, the officials went to interact with you, and you said, but I am a Roman citizen, everything changes. And this is the basis that Paul's addressing them on. He said, but Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we're Roman citizens. And they threw us into prison. And now, in my Bible, I would underscore, underline, and highlight in bold, now, do they want to get rid of us quietly? No, let them come themselves and escort us out. Let me just recount this with the Hinkle commentary. Paul said, we're Roman citizens and you've treated us illegally, unethically, and immorally. And now you want us to leave jail, 3 o'clock in the morning, get into a van attendant windows, take us to Denver International Airport, get on a red-eye flight and send us to another end of the world before anybody knows what's happening. Not going to happen. We're going out tomorrow, 12 noon. We want to parade front door, the mayor, the chief of police, the warden, and I want a news conference on Hebrew Broadcasting Network. We will not go quietly. Now, yes, there's a slight embellishment. I will confess to that. Just as, Paul, just as the Romans wanted Paul to leave and go away quietly. Friends, the climate that we live in, they're okay if we feed the hungry and clothe the naked. They're okay if we get people off the streets, rehabilitate them from drug addiction and alcoholism. But don't you ever say a word about Jesus Christ? Not going to happen. We're waking up. On one hand, this country is waking up that everything is absolutely insane, crazy. It's not political, it's evil. And Psalm 94, 16, and 17 says, Who will rise up for me against the wicked? Who will take a stand for me against the evildoers? Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul would have settled in silence. Psalm 107, verse 2 says, How many redeemed of the Lord are in the house? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those who've been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Revelation 12, 11, they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb. What is the word of your testimony? What the blood of the lamb has done in your life. Whether you are a drug addict, gang member, tattooed on the back of a Harley and smelled like a sewer, or you are a sophisticated, squeaky clean religious with Chanel number five rolling in a bent, driving a Bentley. The blood of the lamb transformed you. Say it. I learned a long time ago by a dear friend that my story is a weapon. Whatever your story is, people can argue doctrine, they can argue theology, they can argue Bible, but they cannot argue what Jesus has done in your life. Tell somebody. Am I clear? 
Friends, we are here, left by Jesus to be his voice. Well, Scott, what about be a witness at all times and use words if necessary? Destroy that statement. Eliminate it from your thinking. Why? I'm glad you asked that question. It's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. Uh, Dwayne Litfin, the former president of Wheaton College, wrote a book called Word Versus Deed. And in that book, they did research in the Franciscan order. No record of Francis ever saying that. Number two, Francis was a preaching machine, preaching four and five villages a day. So why would he tell you to be quiet? This kind of goes against his character, his nature. Thirdly, if he was going to tell you that, then he would be saying your life and your deeds pave the way for your words. I am not in, com in competition with the social service agencies. I believe in doing good. We have fed the hungry. We've clothed the naked. We've provided help and food and gifts and, and, and school supplies and all of this over the years. But every time we did it, we did it in, the, in very obviously in the name of Jesus Christ. Finally, the reason you should eliminate that phrase in the context in which it's used is normally basically to excuse us from opening our mouth and that we live in the spirit of chicken. It's in direct violation to the teaching of the New Testament. How many times in the New Testament do you hear the word preach? Read it and see. Preach, 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 preach. It's the foolishness of helping somebody. No, it's the foolishness of preaching. Amen. Nothing more foolish than what I'm doing right now. But yet God has ordained Men and women that stand up and preach the gospel for lives to be changed, for Jesus to be lifted up in the world that we live in. He left us here to be his voice. Well, Scott, I'm a quiet person. My wife will testify to what I'm about to tell you. I am an introvert. I prefer no conversation. Uh, and yet Jesus paid no attention to that in my life. <laughs> Let the voice be heard. Not just in the pulpit, but in everyday life. You see, it's a time for waking up, my friend. Say this with me. I am a voice. I am voice. Let's say it again. I am, I am a voice. voice. One more time. I, I am, am a, voice. a voice. This morning, we know that Jesus said he'd build a church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. That's you and I. That's his great church, River Rock. And I'm always honored when I'm here. Here, I mean, it's just an honor and a privilege. And Nancy and I look at each other and go, we love it. But the reasons are quite clear, my friend. 
We are here to be his ambassadors. Every one of us. We have been recipients and we are to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to fulfill this role. We are here to occupy and we are here to be his voice. So in light of these four statements, where does that leave you and I today? I want to ask you to wholeheartedly surrender yourself to these specific purposes and let's choose to move forward in this time of waking up. Friends, this is incredible, an incredible moment. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes with me for just a moment. And before I ask you to surrender your lives and by an act of your will take these four pillars of truth and allow them to be integrated into who you are, what you do, how you think. And the Spirit of God, the teacher, the helper will help you. But before I do that, I must ask this question this morning. With not one person looking around, please. If you're here this morning and you say, Scott, all this is good, but I got to be really clear. My heart and my life is not right with God. Look, I know times are challenging. And I know distractions. And I know choices and decisions can be made that pull our heart and our mind and our life away from honoring God. We're here in body, but our mind and our soul is someplace else. And you may very well be a believer, but you might be living in a lukewarm or an ice cold stage and it's time to live red hot for Christ. And you want to make your heart or your life right with God. And I, I always believe too that sometimes we feel that going to church will make us a Christian. Friends, going to church never made anyone a Christian any more than living in a garage turns you into a car. But it comes when we say, Jesus, you paid the price for everything wrong, every sin I've ever committed. I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me and come live in my life. And today, whether you need to make your heart or life right with God for the first time or renewal of your commitment to Christ, no one's looking around, but would you say, Scott, that's me. I choose to make my heart and my life right with God today. Would you put your right hand up and put it down so I can see? And we'll pray with you in just a moment. Thank you. Thank you. Secondly, you're here today. Thank you. You can put those down. You're here today and you simply say, Scott, I choose to take those four pillars of truth. The fact that Jesus left me here as his ambassador to be filled with his spirit, to occupy, to be about his business and to be his voice. I choose to take these four pillars and allow them to be strength in my life and purpose and points of action. If you can say that today, would you stand to your feet with me right now? And if you raise your hand to make your heart or life right with God for the first or renewed time, would you be standing as well? And our first part of the prayer is going to be with you. And then we're all going to commit to these four. You see, we must. The hope of America is the church of Jesus Christ. A church that is filled with purpose, 
the purpose laid out in Scripture that we know that we are who Jesus said we are. We're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. It's not up to anybody else. It's up to us. We talk about voting. Everybody vote. Yes, every Christian ought to pray and every Christian ought to be an influencer in someone else's life. One survey said every person will have a profound influence on at least 15 uh, people during the course of their life. Some a lot more, some a few less. In other words, we are designed for influence. Would you raise both of your hands to the Lord as if you're lifting up the entirety of your life? And let's pray this together out loud right now. Lord Jesus, thank you for your goodness and loving kindness. Thank you for doing all that you've done for me. You died on the cross. You were buried. You paid the price for my sin. You rose again, proving your love for me and your power to change a life. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. I choose to live in a way that honors you. I believe that I am here to be your ambassador, empowered by the Holy Spirit to occupy and be about your business and to be your voice. I thank you, God, that the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. I thank you, Lord, that my life counts. I thank you, Lord, that you can use all that I am and all that I'm not, all that I have, all that I don't have. Lord, my life is yours today. I honor you. Let's give God an expression of thanks. Lord, we love you this morning. God, we bless you. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We glorify you, oh God. We glorify you, Lord. You know, maybe you came today and you you wrestling with a physical infirmity here today. Sickness, pain, a doctor's diagnosis. And you believe Jesus is the healer. And you would allow someone to lay hands on you where you are. The Bible says lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. If that's you right now, would you raise your right hand? If I've just spoken to you here today. And and I'm going to ask somebody standing by you to lay their hands on you right now. The Bible says lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You say, Scott, I got one hand up for prayer. Well, you got another hand. Put it on somebody else. (laughs) But Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We lay hands on the sick. Your word tells us, and they shall recover. Lord, we stand against the lies of the enemy those strongholds that play against us, those words of others. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your word, not only did you come to save us, Lord, but you are the healer. Lord, thank you that your body was broken, that ours could be made whole in Jesus' name. Lord, the oppression that accompanies infirmity, let that dissipate and be gone today in the name of Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for that right now. We thank you that you are the healer. Lord, we thank you today. I thank you for a wave of healing our heart and our soul and our mind and our body. Jesus, I thank you that you are the healer of stress in our homes and our families today, oh God. I thank you for that, Lord. 
Lord, we honor you today. We bless you, Lord Jesus. Lord, let's take a few moments and if you can pray in the Holy Ghost, you have a prayer language. Let's begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we honor you. Jesus, we love you. We honor you, Lord. We love you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. We honor you, Lord. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We honor you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Jesus, we love you. We honor you, Lord. We love you. We honor you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. stand in your presence. Father, I thank you for ambassadors here today. Front and center, Lord. I thank you for the empowerment of your spirit. Lord, I thank you that we are and will be about your Father's business. That we are a voice. God, I thank you for voices here, Lord. I thank you for voices in the world, in business, in school, in personal interactions, in families. Lord, I thank you for that Holy Ghost boldness, Lord, you've given us your spirit to empower us to be a voice. Lord, today we honor you. We love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. We bless you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Mm. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. We're just waiting for a moment of the presence of the Lord. Can you whisper thank you, Lord, or thank you, Jesus, to the Lord right now? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated. I just want to mention a couple of resources and transition service. 
back to pastor. Friends, our heart in life is based really upon two things. Number one, telling people that Jesus can change their life as he did ours. And secondly, trying to help as many people do the very same thing. There's somebody that's waiting for you to say something to them. I could tell you story after story that won't bore you, but somebody is waiting for you. We just want to help you. A couple of things here. Some of you are familiar with them. One of them is a little booklet, Christian, come out of the closet. Don't get nervous. It's not about that. I always have to say that. <laughs> and some of you have read this little book, but basically it's a one-hour positive and practical read that helps you begin to tell people about Jesus in their everyday life. You know, the devil couldn't stop you from giving your life to Jesus, but he still wants to destroy life. His next, next tactic is why don't you just keep it to yourself? You get put under a religious quarantine. So this can help you. Secondarily, recapturing the primary purpose. This puts the Great Commission back in its top place and priority in your life and your thinking. It will challenge your thinking. There's a few uh, sacred cows religiously that get speared and bleed profusely in order to put the Great Commission back in its top place of priority. Thirdly, the book I never wanted to write, but I wrote it because Jesus told me to. It's called Surprise, Living Life in the Unexpected. God is raising up a surprise generation. And there's many that don't come from church that are getting saved, filled with the Spirit of God, and have a blazing, passionate call to preach the gospel. When I gave my life to Jew Jesus, first of all, I'm Jewish. Secondly, I'm from New Jersey. Thirdly, I was a drug addict. I was an unreached people group by myself. I love that delayed response. That was really good. <laughs> I, could not, I couldn't relate to people that were raised in church. I have a lot of friends. Well, you know, my dad was a pastor, and I used to go to all the youth camps, and we did it. I'm going, <laughs> you know, forget about it. But God does, God does surprises. And we're in the season of suddenlies and surprises. People, as we read about Noah and Lot, life was going on as usual, and then something happened. And yet God is raising up that kind of people. And this title simply came from, I went to a high school reunion. And if you ever go to school reunions, they're crazy. And one of my former classmates looks at me and he says, Scott, I heard you were a minister. I said, yes. He said, I was surprised. I said, so am I. I'll leave it there. It's a great encouragement, living life in the unexpected. And finally, many of you have these shirts, but we're trying to unofficially outfit an army across America to simply communicate a very simple message. Jesus Christ will change your life. And these are, these are available as well. It's always an honor to be with you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And to be a part. I have a word um, that God gave me for Michael and Bobby Baker, and I also believe it can apply to many other people as well, so I'm going to say it. This is what I heard in my spirit. Change is good. Embrace it. More glory comes to you in obedience. Praise the Lord. Don't think too hard about it with your natural mind and understanding. There is a 
great harvest ready to reap. You have been prepared for such a time as this. I delight in your obedience to my word and promptings of the Holy Spirit. God is good all the time. Just as soon as we started singing, the Lord said to me, let go, let God. And I was like, oh, okay, Lord, let go, let God. And he told me, um, I think it's Isaiah, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will strengthen you. Yes, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I just really felt like that was for me, but also for others that he's been speaking about me to be bold, to speak out, to hear his voice and act on it. We are a light. We are a light and we need to shine, y'all. Amen. 